you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to go to Matthew chapter 7, and um, it will be up on the screen, and I have tested it this week, and it's fixed. Um, It's an amazing thing, you know, years ago when I first, when all of a sudden I realized I'm a geek, I'm I'm a bit of a computer geek, and I, I like computers, I like technology and what technology can do. Um, I remember from time to time, back before I, I, I came over to the dark side of using only Apple products, uh, I was using, you know, as a PC and using that. And, and uh, yeah, I'd run into troubles every now and then that you do using a PC. And uh, sorry, that's a little dig and you didn't get it. I'm glad you didn't get it, but now you do. Um, and, you know, I'd call the company, you know, that, that makes the, made the computer. They're no longer in existence now. But, you know, one of the first things that the guy said was, you know, uh, first of all, is it plugged in? <laughs> you know, you're like, of course it's plugged in. What do you think? I'm a dummy? Well, there are times we are dummies and we do unplug things and don't realize it. And then the next thing is, he said, have you restarted? I said, well, no, I haven't. So he said, go ahead and do that. And as soon as you restart, you fixed it. Well, I restarted the computer last Sunday, albeit late, after the, church, after the service was over, and it fixed the slides. It fixed everything. I don't know. So when all else fails, restart, right? Um, <clears throat> so it will be up on the screen, but in Matthew chapter 7, uh, it is the end of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus delivers It seemingly, from what the text indicates, and I'm not sure how much this is, in some senses this has a little bit of bearing on us as believers, as disciples of Jesus. Jesus started out, we often picture, at least have the scene of Jesus teaching up on the Mount of Olives, and he's teaching these masses of people. Well, certainly that happened from time to time. We know the stories of how he fed, you know, masses of people, Uh, and talked about that recently, this seems to start out in Matthew chapter 5. You don't need to turn there. Just go to 7, chapter 7, if you have your Bible. Uh, It seems that Jesus was actually starting out, at the very least, teaching his disciples these things, which I find to be interesting. uh, One, because as you read through this wonderful Sermon on the Mount, there are scriptures that... Uh, both the world and the church love to quote. And one of the ones that is often used, misused, I should say, and abused and taken out of its context and somehow thrown around as if it was this little tiny dagger to be used at whatever point we are uncomfortable. It is Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, and it is the whole concept of not judging. Do not judge. And oftentimes we throw that out. Don't judge, you know, uh, which is to say that the world wants you to not have a spine. You have to judge things every day. Did you know that? You have to judge whether or not the person who just pulled out in front of you pulled out in front of you too close to your car, and you have to judge whether or not to put on the brakes. And for those who drive, you know, you all know what I mean, right? And you have to judge all kinds of things on a daily basis. You have to judge whether the character walking down the street is a kind character or a not-so-kind character. can't always tell that by the look on their face, but all of a sudden, if they stop you and start to, you know, try to grab the necklace off your neck, they're not a nice person. And so... 
They, they are trying to mug you. So we make all kinds of judgments all, all day, every day. On our jobs, you judge certain things. There are all kinds of things. So this is often thrown around without the context of the rest of the scripture. The Sermon on the Mount has been used in many, many cases, not only and abused in some, some situations like this, this verse, but it has been a wonderful source of help and strength. But the bottom line in everything that Jesus says, starting in chapter 5 and going all the way through to verse chapter 7, and we're going to pick up and start reading at verse 24 in chapter 7. There are some things that he says here that have to do with everything that has been said. And that is simply this. The Bible says this. Let me get there. Matthew 7, verse 24. The Bible says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. This sermon is one of the most powerful messages in all of scripture that Jesus has presented. He deals with another, a number of themes and a number of topics, and he lays out, this is where we find this great passage, uh, at least in, in part in this, where we should not worry about tomorrow. I mean, we, we talk about that a lot because how many of us on a daily basis, we worry? We just do. It's one of those things that comes charging into our hearts and our minds, and we just feel that worry as it rises. And, and so many things as we come to hear and Jesus tells us about the persistence of asking and seeking and knocking and to not faint when we pray and when we call upon the name of the Lord. And, and finally, he tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and, and all these things will be added to you. And, and I want to tell you that so many of these things have brought such wonderful comfort and encouragement to our hearts. But the bottom line in all of this, and Jesus is laying this out right now at the end of the sermon. We could talk about it in the beginning of the sermon. We'd talk about it at the end. It's at the end, Jesus puts it out there and he simply says these words and he tells us, therefore, in other words, based on everything that I have just said, based on everything that has come before and what I have laid out before you, I want you to see that it is important that you hear what I have said and you put them into practice. That everyone, and, and incidentally, verse in verse 24, the Bible tells us this, that everyone who hears and puts these words of mine, he also repeats it in verse 26, about everyone who does not 
listen to what he has to say and does not put them into practice. And, and that part, it applies to both groups. It applies to everybody. I want to tell you today that if you are within earshot of this message, and those in this room, you are, you're sitting here, you're hearing me, and you say, can't he just be a little less loud? Well, Bobby can turn me down because he's got the, the iPad that controls the sound, but he's not going to do that right now because I just told him not to. And, and in the end, what we need to understand is that when we hear what God has to say, we need to listen and do what he says. This is such a basic message. It's such a basic understanding of what Jesus is trying to say. And that word that is stated twice in these verses, the first time it refers to a group that will put it into practice. The words that Jesus says. The other, it will apply to the group of people that does not obey. But Jesus states very clearly in that one little sentence, both the positive effects of listening to what he has to say and the negative effects of hearing what he has to say but not doing it. And I want to tell you that the only way that we can ever come out on top and be victorious in Christ and in the Lord is to listen to what he has to say and then put it into practice, to do it. There used to be a phrase years ago that was, uh, some people would often use about individuals who just sort of, you know, they walked around with their Bible and they were always thinking about spiritual things. And it was a phrase, well, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. In other words, he's, you know, he's always thinking about what the Bible says but not doing it. I think that's where they were going at it. But in the end, if you truly are listening to what the Bible says and hearing what the word has to say, then in the end, we will do what it says. And in that regard, when you are truly heavenly minded, you will be earthly good. When you truly are plugged into the kingdom of God and the thing that Jesus is laying out in front of us, you will be a blessing to other people. You will be able to bring the message of hope and the gospel to someone else. But today I want to compare the similarities just before I get into these two individuals that we find in this passage of scripture. I want to compare the similarities between the two groups of people. First of all, the, they both had the ability to hear his words. Both the wise and the foolish had the ability to hear. They heard what he had to say. Both of them listened. And this is often what happens in church. You might have somebody who is wise listening to what God is saying in the scripture. Maybe you sit down, not just in church, but when you go and you, you read the Bible. I hope you read your Bible on your own. I hope you have a plan. I hope you plan to do it and then fulfill the plan and go through the plan. I hope you have a chance each and every day. You carve out that moment in which you go to the word of God because it's not just to somehow make you feel good when you go on your day. It's to help you to live in a way that honors him and pleases him and lifts him up. So both of these individuals had the ability to hear the word. Not only that, they both had the opportunity to put the word into practice. They did. They both had the opportunity to put the word of God into practice. Not only that, they both were in the process of building things that looked similar. 
Christian life, as it were. You might say their house represents or could represent. We're not, it's, you know, the house is, is sort of a, Jesus is using that to, to tell a bigger story and using that picture of a house. It's not to have a physical house. It is a, it is a picture of something else. You might say, well, they're ta- he's talking about putting these words. It's clearly somewhat of a metaphorical kind of, of understanding of this, this picture of a house and where it's going to sit and what that means. And it's essentially, it is this. They both were in the, in the process of building something that looked the same. And they both were subject to the same tests of what they had built. They were both subject to the same tests for what they had built or of what they had built. Those tests were the wind blew, the rain came, streams rose, the floods came in. Same test, both the wise and the foolish. Whereas we find in other places in scripture, Jesus said these words, he says, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. If you've ever struggled with the question of why do bad things happen to good people, we've all struggled with that question. But the bottom line here is Jesus said that in this life, as believers, you will have affliction. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Neither the wise nor the foolish could escape the trouble and the difficulty that life handed them. The question is, what was the end result? How did it all work out? Well, let's talk about the wise man for a minute, shall we? The wise man, listen to this, is somebody who hears the word, listens to the word. I'm not talking about just somehow having an ear that you might, you know, you know, you you plug in. Look, we hear sounds all day long and we make no adjustments in our life as a result of the sound. We hear things all the time and do not change what it is that we're doing. We, we do that. There, there are things that we hear, but we tune it out. And sometimes we can do that to people, sadly, but we do. We, we sometimes hear what we're hearing and we tune that out because we either are thinking on something different or we're doing whatever it is that we're getting distracted by this, but they hear the word. And I'm talking about the kind of hearing where the writer in the New Testament says, he that has an ear, let him hear. In other words, the hearing goes down on the inside to impact how you live. What it is that you're going to do for the Lord. How you're going to act as a believer. Are you going to act in accordance with the way the world is dictating or telling you you must act? Or are you going to act with what the word says? And I want to tell you, I've been on a journey through the New Testament this past six months, and it has been wonderful. Because in the end, we live under the new covenant. We, live on, we are in the age of grace. If there is anything that I can encourage you, maybe in the new year, if you're not there right now, stick with your plan. But in the new year, get into the New Testament and find out what God has to say about us New Testament believers and how we need to live. Hear the word and let it challenge you to live a life that is pleasing and honoring to the Lord. It was the same sweet encouragement that when you pray, you will get an answer from God. We hear the word of God and we act on it. Now, 
It's not just hearing the word. Hearing the word is important. You can't act on what you don't hear, right? You can't, you can't respond to the message if there is no messenger. Paul says that in the book of Romans, in fact. He tells us, how can they hear without a preacher? Sorry, you stuck with me just for a minute. You, you can't respond, you can't act without hearing what the word has to say. And this comes to heeding the word. So we need to hear the word and then we need to heed the word. What does that mean? That literally just simply means to put these words into practice. Rather than just admiring the teaching of Jesus as being something wonderful, which is the world does that. The world says, oh, Jesus was a wonderful teacher, did a lot of good things, and uh, somewhere along the way said some things that really made other people mad and got himself crucified. Well, <laughs> there's a whole lot more to it than that. I want to tell you that Jesus is more than just teaching some things that are wonderful and nice to hear. But you read through the Sermon on the Mount, there are some things that are not so great to hear. There are some things that are challenging. There are some things that are powerful in that, that will change your life. There are some things that he says in other parts of Scripture, in other parts of the Gospels, that actually throw down the whole concept of, well, he was just all about love and all about this and all about that. No, there were times where Jesus confronted hypocrisy, confronted all kinds of nonsense that was going on. I mean, there were times where Jesus was almost seemingly annoyed with his disciples. <laughs> like, don't you get it, guys, yet? You know? And the answer, really, the short answer is, no, sorry, we don't yet. And we're like that. We're like those disciples. Sometimes we don't get it. But he, he continued to invest in them. He continued to put things into them so that they would heed the word of God. The words that are heard from the scripture are more than just to arm yourself with all the right answers to the deep and difficult questions that only a select few people are, are somehow asking. It's more than that. It's more than to somehow that one person who's always you know, had a question you couldn't answer and then all of a sudden one day you find an answer, I'm going to go get them. It's more than for that. It's not about having an answer so that then you come off like winning the debate. This isn't about winning a debate, folks. This is about a kingdom and bringing people into the kingdom and lifting Jesus higher and presenting him to a world that is lost and needs hope and needs help. So oftentimes the word of God is, is looked at like, you know, let's just beat people with it. That's not what the point of this is. This is to direct people to live in a way that will equip you. And, and what Jesus is telling us, he's, he's indicating that the word of God is really to equip us to live in a manner that is worthy of the calling that God has placed upon our lives. It is to help you to live in a way that won't bring shame to the name of the Father. Somebody once said that a Christian is somebody who makes it easier for others to believe in God. And I wonder if that's true for us sometimes. I wonder if we can say that about ourselves. This is not intended to bring anybody down today, but it's intended simply to just say, search your own heart. Search your heart and see, as the psalmist said, search my heart, O Lord, see if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's anything in there that makes it harder for other people to believe in God. 
So here is the thing. There is also hope in heeding the word. This great, this created a foundation for the wise man's life that would stand the test of whatever came his way. Let's look at verse 25 again. The Bible says this, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. No matter how difficult and powerful the testing was, his house stood. So oftentimes our lives get shaken. When the storms come and the difficulties come, our lives get shaken by what it is that the enemy has thrown our way and we sit there and we think there is no way out. And I want to tell you today, the only way out is to heed his word, put it into practice, and in due season, the waters are going to recede and there will be new life that will be shown once again as Noah found that when that dove came back the second time and came back that time with an olive branch, in its mouth an olive leaf in its mouth realized it's time to get out of this ark and go live I want to tell you brothers and sisters in the end when you heed the word of God there is a foundation that is strong that is powerful that will come against any storm and it will stand against that storm as you know we love the ocean I love the ocean uh, both, both my wife and I we love it and when we have the opportunity to go there and spend some time at the ocean, there are those who have, have had the privilege, and it is a, a wonderful privilege, of building a house at the beach. And I will tell you that almost invariably those houses do not sit down because it's mostly you go up and you have sand. You've got tons of sand. But the problem here is, is that also at the ocean, you have hurricanes that blow through, right? Oh, in the Midwest, well, yeah, we don't have hurricanes. You got tornadoes. Those are scary. I think I was in one once. I'm pretty sure I was, I, I was on the outskirts of one. It wasn't pretty. It was not a nice feeling. And so we, we know, we know that there are storms that come and, and at the ocean, the, the surge, the storm surge can come up. So what they do is they, they go down with these big pylons, these, these big logs, and they go down deep to where the bedrock is, where the rock is. And they plug those pylons into, and it looks like there's just sand all around it. And then they go up a certain number of feet and then they build the house on that particular thing. And most of the time, even in a storm surge, there will be water that will come under those things, water that will come down as that surge comes up. And there is this, there is the, the house. It looks like maybe the, it's going to be a problem. You know, it's only standing on these four, five, six pylons, but it stands. Why? Because it's on the rock. The storm comes. It doesn't look like it's on the rock, but the roots go down deep. The foundation goes down deep, and it's down standing on something that is solid. Listen, it may feel as though somewhere around you it's just too difficult, and there are things that are just so, 
so, you know, they shift all the time and there's always something that just doesn't make sense. But I want to tell you, if you have plugged into the word and you're heeding the word of God, your roots go down deep and it's standing on the rock and it may come against you and nobody likes it. We don't like how it feels, the pain of it all. But in the end, you will stand because you're wise. So heed the word. Listen to what he has to say and do what he has to say. When you base your life on what the word says and on the relationship with the rock, that is Christ Jesus, you will have the power to stand when those storms come. No matter how difficult they are, no matter how strong they are, you have to remember that your ability to hear and heed the word of God does not make you exempt from the storm. It doesn't say, well, I'm not even going to let a storm come to you. No, you will experience the storm, but it gives you the power to be an overcomer in the storm. So what about this foolish guy? Let's talk about him. I don't want to end on a down note, but in the end, we've got to talk about the foolish guy a little bit. <clears throat> Essentially, the foolish man was a man in danger. He was a man in danger. The foolish man also heard the words of Jesus. He heard the word, but like many of the foolish men in the Bible, the words they hear are clouded with their own desires. And when Jesus directly confronts someone, their heart sinks because they want to live their own way. Think about the rich man who came to Jesus. Jesus said, well, what does the law say? It says to do this. He says, well, do that. He says, I've done that since I was, a, I was little. I was born, he says. I've been living in, in that way. Well, Jesus saw that he was a rich man. He said, well, go sell everything you have and follow me. And the Bible says the man was sad because he was too connected to his riches. He wanted his riches and to be okay too. And in the end, the riches got in the way. I'm not saying the riches get in the way for everybody. It does not, a, not that way. This, the, Jesus was not teaching against riches, by the way. He was not teaching against wealth. The Bible never really teaches against wealth. It teaches against the love of that wealth. The love of that wealth is where you run into trouble. But in the end, it's often confronted. It is foolishness that when God has something to say about how we are to live, we ignore it. We think, well, that's for somebody else. No, it's for you. It's for me. It might be in that moment that, you know, you kind of feel like you've whooped that thing and you're on top, but... Somewhere along the way, there could be temptation that will come your way and you might be tempted to give into the flesh in one form or another, whatever that looks like and whatever it looks like for you. I want you to know because the devil knows, he, he knows some buttons to push in our lives from time to time. He knows that what tempts you in one area may not tempt me in another, but he, it, he'll try something else. And in the end, it is foolishness that when God has something to say about how we are to live, we just kind of push it away. It is foolishness that when God has something to say that we assume that either we are exempt from that message or the message is for someone else looking across the aisle. God, get them, get them, get them, get them. 
Yes, Lord, you know that that's what they need today. <laughs> no, we don't pray that way. No, we don't do that. Lord, speak to us. It is foolishness that when God has something to say, that he somehow doesn't mean what he says. He certainly won't allow the consequences of ignoring his word to actually come to me. Oh God, you don't mean that. Think about this. When, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and the serpent came to Eve and, and said these words, did God really say, he was really essentially saying, did God really mean that? We've got a lot of people in our day and age at this time that we're living in who are trying to take the word of God and saying, but that's antiquated and certainly God doesn't mean this. I want to tell you, God means what he says. We need to be armed with the word. We need to have it in our hearts and not only have it in our hearts, but heed what it says. Because in the end, I want to tell you something. You're not going to answer to the culture. You're not going to answer to who's in the White House. You're not going to answer to who's in City Hall. You are not even going to answer to your employer. You are going to answer to God Almighty one day. We will all stand, the Bible says, before the judgment seat of Christ. Don't think for a minute that it's only in this life that you've got to answer for things. Sorry, that's not the word says. See, we need to have the word in our hearts and in our minds. Not only was he a man in danger because of ignoring the word, disregarding the word, not heeding the word, but he was, in effect, a man with disregard. That's exactly, I just said it, got ahead of myself. Hate when I do that, but I did. The foolish man did not put Jesus' words into practice, and Jesus makes this very clear. It was a contrast. There was a comparing. They all were looking the same, things were looking the same, except there were some differences, some major important differences. And that was this foolish man did not put Jesus' words into practice. We don't know what his excuses were, but we know what our excuses are. We're not sure what, what caused this particular man to decide what Jesus is saying is not for me, but we know what it is for us. And I want to tell you, those excuses are not going to hold on the day of judgment. Trust me, it won't. We ignore the word of God because we know that we will have to change. The word speaks against the inconsistencies and against our wrong living. And we know that that will force upon us a an important decision. Am I going to live for me or am I going to live for God? We ignore the word of God because we feel somehow it isn't for us. So we brush it aside. We dismiss it. We think somehow I'm not going to be responsible for this. But yes, yes, in fact, you will be responsible for what you have heard. We ignore the word of God because the message sometimes seems too difficult. There was a moment where Jesus spoke to his disciples and the Bible says that some of them were offended at what he said. 
think of this for a minute. These were disciples, not the immediate 12 at that time, but others. There were, remember, there were more disciples, quote unquote, that followed after Jesus. And I use quote unquote simply because in some cases they, they, they followed him for a, a period of time, but then he said some things that were offensive to them. Hmm. What kind of day we living in? So similar, isn't it? And they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And the Bible says that they turned away from him and walked with him no more. <laughs> you know, from time to time, I've almost taken a little bit of, how shall I say, I want to say it reverently, encouragement by that one scripture. I mean, here we've got the son of God saying things, and people get offended. I've had people be offended at my messages before. And they've been offended, and then they don't like it, and they will write a, an anonymous letter, or they'll write something. And it, it's, it, you know, somebody once wisely said, if somebody writes an anonymous letter, just throw it in the trash. If they're not man or woman enough to put their name to it, there is literally nothing that they say that you need to pay attention to. In the end, I want to tell you, from time to time, we get offended at what God has to say. It's too difficult, Lord. That's too hard. We sometimes ignore the word of God because the message seems so harsh. Oh, God, I only want to hear the good things, the nice things, the, the fluffy things. <laughs> I don't mean to put, I, I, trust me, I, I'm talking about encouragement. You know, we, we come into the house of the Lord, and sometimes we don't want to be challenged. We want to be encouraged. And all of a sudden, the Lord laid a message of challenge on the preacher's heart. You're like, oh, God, help me. <laughs> this is why we need to read the Bible daily, right? Maybe God was trying to give you that encouragement earlier in the week, but you were too busy. I say that kindly and in love. Listen to this. The final thing is this. He was a man with a doomed foundation. He was a man with a doomed foundation. This created an unstable and a doomed foundation. When you do not listen to the word, you hear it, but you don't listen. The idea of listening is you listen and take it into your heart and do what it says. It created an unstable foundation that was doomed from the start. The foundation of his life is noted as being sand. The weight of a house cannot be held up by sand. I'm not a builder. My father was, was a, somewhat of a carpenter and certainly uh, he, he was into building. He had other people to help him with certain aspects of it, but he was a, he was able to build things and, you know, build important. You don't, and I remember you always pour a foundation. Those of you who have a, a house, you live in an apartment. Trust me, that building has a foundation. And that foundation has to be solid and secure. The weight of a house like that cannot be held up by sand, especially in the kind of testing weather that it was going to get from time to time. It was a weakened life. A life that said, I, I really want to hold on to some of the things in the Bible, but I don't want to hold on to everything. 
I want to listen to some of the things Jesus had to say, but there are some difficult things that I don't want to hear and that's too hard for me. And when you do that, when you begin to pick and choose and you begin to say that that's for me and that's not for me and I'm going to tear that page out, but oh, I like that page. Let me duplicate that so I read it over and over again. And there's somewhere along the way, that kind of a life is not the kind of the life that will be able to stand the testing of what you go through and as things come your way. Maybe his house was bigger. Maybe it looked fancier on the outside. Maybe he put some embellishments on it. Maybe he really put some of the finer points to make that house look like HGTV's dream home. But he built it on the wrong foundation. People who hear the word of God and refuse to put it into practice may look like they have it all together. They may even be able to talk the right spiritual talk, but they are lacking the foundation that will help them make it through when the storms hit them. Notice the Bible says that the foolish man's house fell with a great crash, a great crash. The noise of destruction stands as a testimony against the decision to ignore the word. So please make no mistake about it. The one who chooses to simply hear the word of God and not put it into practice, be sure that your life will end in destruction. We hear the word of God, but we don't want to do it. We hear the word of God, we don't want to believe it. No, God, that's too difficult for me to hear. Jesus, when his disciples, those disciples did that, they turned and walked away. Jesus turned to his immediate 12. The Bible says this. Turned to his immediate 12 and he says, are you guys going to go too? And Peter wisely at that moment spoke up. And though he is noted for being impetuous, he's noted for being, you know, just sort of spur of the moment kind of guy. He spoke so wisely to whom else are we going to go? Who else has the words of eternal life? Where are you going to go? To whom else? No one else has that solid foundation. So there are only two ways of reacting to the word of God when you read it, hear it read, or hear it preached. You can do it and live it, or you can ignore it and don't live it. There is no middle ground. None whatsoever. Remember many years ago hearing David Wilkerson preach a message and one of the things that he said was there is always a reaction to the word of God. There is always a reaction no matter what happens, whether there is somebody who comes to the altar or they don't. He said people will either respond to it positively or they will be hardened by it. And I want to tell you this foolish man is essentially hardened by the word of God. Yeah, I like some of the things he says. Ooh, those are too difficult. Let me not worry about that. No big deal. You see, we live in a culture and live in a world that's making it up as they go along. There is no moral bearing. There is no attachment to something, a moral higher power anymore. We have rejected in this country as a society and even as a government, we have rejected the word of God. We've said those are hard things. Who can hear it? And people have walked away, said, nope, that isn't for us anymore. We're just going to make it up. And if you see some of the nonsense that's on TikTok these days, no, I'm not on TikTok, sorry. But I've seen a few things here and there. It's disturbing how we're making things up as a society. Why? To please me. 
<laughs> you know, we need to be like John the Baptist as believers, that he may increase and I would decrease. This thing can't be about me. It can't be about what I get out of life and what it is that I want and I this. It's got to be about let me please the Lord, there is no middle ground. You can't pick and choose what you want from the word and expect that your life will be stable and fruitful. We are all advised in this passage from Jesus Christ himself on the mount that he spoke this great sermon that it is to be acted upon, that it isn't just to be listened to and not acted upon. It, we have to be, as James says, we've got to be Doers of the word and not hearers only. Jesus was trying to get his disciples to be doers of the word. That was it. He doesn't want them to just be hearers only. He wants them to be doers. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, help us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be doers of your word. God, I pray that you would help us to put into action the things that we read, the things that we hear from your word. If we spend any time on a daily basis in your word, that God, we would realize that that word is not just about some wonderful teaching somewhere that will help somebody, but it is for us. It is for us to put it into practice. It is for us to somehow have in our hearts and in our minds the determination to put it into practice. And the Bible lets us know that you will help us, that you're going to help us to live in a manner that pleases you. This is one of the reasons why you sent your Holy Spirit to the world and into believers so that we would live a life that honors and pleases you. So God, I pray that we would never ever fall into the trap of somehow thinking that it's okay to ignore some things. But God, I pray that you would help us to recognize that you are always shaping and molding our image and, and more and more into the likeness of Christ. As Paul the Apostle said, until Christ is formed in you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help us to heed the word. Help us to listen to the word. Help us to be wise people, not foolish people who somehow build something that looks good on the surface, but deep down there is no root that will help us to stand when the storms come. So God, give us your grace. Give us your strength. Walk with your people this week. Help them to know that you're always with them. You're there to strengthen them. You're there to help them. And you're there to help them live in a manner that pleases you. And if the world looks at them and says you crazy, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to rise up and to be strong enough to realize that today the crazy ones are the ones who refuse to hear what you have to say. Help us to live with that wisdom and that understanding. Guard your people this week. Strengthen them. Help them. Watch over them. Let them know that you love them with an everlasting love. And God, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you. Turn and greet each other before you leave this place today.